This is the Spirit of Leading. Your guide to becoming empowered to lead. Competent, confident, and connected. Someone who can and will make a difference in your workplace, your family, and your community. When's the last time you talked to a brick wall? Well, I talked to one just last week, and I learned some important lessons about listening, and I'd like to share them with you. I'm Garland McWaters, and welcome to The Spirit of Leading. So let me tell you what happened. I had a recent run-on in traffic court, of all places. Here's the background. Several months ago, I was traveling out of town to visit my family. And I was traveling on a road that I really don't drive very often. In fact, I think the last time I was on it was several years ago while it was under construction. So it was somewhat new territory to me. I knew I had to take a bypass around town, but I wasn't quite sure where to get on. And as I thought that I was getting close to where the turnoff might be, I began searching the sides of the road for road signs that would indicate to me where to make my turn. I could see in front of me, uh, maybe a quarter of a mile away, that there was something that looked like an overpass, and between me and the overpass there were two traffic lights, and the lights were green. So I began scanning the side of the road looking for road signs to tell me if that was the turnoff to get on the bypass to take me out to the interstate. And as I was looking for the road signs, I looked up and I could see that the light immediately in front of me had changed to amber or to yellow. So instinctively, living in the Dallas area, I checked my rearview mirror to see if there was anyone behind me because if I slammed on the brakes to catch the light, I could possibly be hit from behind. But fortunately, there was no one behind me, it was, but it was sort of an automatic reflex to double check that rearview mirror. And then by the time I looked up, Uh, looked forward again I could see that I was getting pretty close to the intersection and now my decision point was do I go on through the light at my current speed which was pretty much the speed limit or do I uh, hit on the brakes and try to stop before I get to the intersection or possibly end up in the intersection and this is all happening sort of like you know in a split second a couple of seconds total passed during this time So I decided that maybe the safest thing to do was just to go on through the intersection because I could see there was no one on the side streets waiting to come in. So I went on, and as I hit the intersection, as I just hit that white line in front of me, in front of the intersection, the lights turned red. So I could see that the light had turned red as I had passed through. Well, I went on. And several weeks later, I received a notification in the mail with a picture of my automobile going through the light that I had been caught on a camera violation, a camera red light violation, and that I was expected to pay the fine, which is set by state law at $75, or I could appeal. Well, I thought, eh, why not? I think I'll appeal. And so I did. So I asked for a hearing, and then I went for the hearing just recently. And that's what this story is really about. And if you were in my position, when you go to a hearing, you have certain 
presumptions about what that hearing is going to be like. I thought I would be in an open court with lots of people because years ago I had been in a traffic court in another community, and that's kind of the way that was. Everyone just sort of assembles. You get called up and you get to say your piece in front of the hearing officer or the municipal judge, and then they say yes or no. And so that's kind of what I expected, but as it turned out, it wasn't quite like that. Instead, uh, we would be taken back into a an antechamber where the hearing officer would be viewing our our violation over the computer and then hearing what we had to say about that. As I arrived, uh, the bailiff took me into the courtroom and I sat down and as it turned out only one other person came for a hearing for a red light violation or a camera red light violation. So the lady and I were speaking, and she had put together quite an elaborate defense and arguments about why she thought maybe there's some leniency should be granted on her violation, which was actually not pausing before taking a right turn on red. She didn't come to a complete stop. In a few minutes, the bailiff came out and asked who wanted to go first, and I allowed the lady to go first. But I was able to hear the conversation between the lady and the judge, and as it turned out, she did not she was not successful in getting him to overturn her fine. And then it was my turn. So the hearing officer introduced himself to me, and I, I introduced myself. And the hearing officer, I could see, had already pulled up the video to my violation. And so I sat down, and I looked at the video, and I said, yeah, that's my car right there. And Without any, saying anything else, he reached for a slip of papers and pulled out his pen and said, well, I'm going to find you liable for this violation. And he started to sign it. And I said, wait a second, don't I get to say something? Now, after all, this is a hearing, correct? And usually a hearing involves someone getting to say something about their particular situation that might have a bearing on whether or not I would be liable for that violation. And I obviously felt like I had more to the story, or I wouldn't be sitting there, would I? I would have just paid my fine and just gone on. But I felt like I had a story to tell, and there was some, some leniency that could possibly be granted here. But I didn't get to say that. He said, well, you're liable. I said, wait, don't I get to say something? And at that point, he just leaned back in his chair, dropped his pencil on the top of the table, and raised his chin ever so slightly. Now, if you're a poker player, that's called a tell. And what that means is that's telling you something about the person. And what I know from my study in body language is that when someone does that, they have quit. They are not listening. It's a defensive posture. It's a jutting of the chin. It's a taking it on the chin. It's a, it's a defensive posture that shows some kind of defiance or arrogance or superiority. You see it manifest in different ways from different people. But it was definitely there. And uh, he said, well, yeah, go ahead. And so I began to try and explain the circumstances that led up to this particular moving through the light, which I explained at the beginning of this podcast. Well, I didn't get anywhere with that. Uh, before I could say anything, he would interrupt me and tell me why I was wrong. And then I would change my tactic and try to say something a little bit more. And then he would interrupt me again, and he would tell me that it didn't matter. And uh, so, in other words, I was just bouncing whatever I had to say it was bouncing off the brick wall. He was not listening. He was only def defending a decision that he had made before I ever spoke. 
any type of explanation or attempt at explanation. It was just futile. So after several attempts at doing this, I could feel myself getting angry and angry, and I knew that because my breathing was getting short and I was getting flustered, and uh, my voice was just beginning to raise, and I was all kinds of things were going through my mind about what I would like to say, but I'm talking to a hearing officer, and there's a bailiff just outside the door, and he's armed. And I'm thinking, I think I should probably just take my lumps and leave and, uh, and just move on because I don't want to say anything that could get me into any further trouble. I certainly don't want to be found in contempt and I certainly don't want to get arrested. So I took my page, which he had signed immediately almost. It was my finding of liability. So that lesson cost me $75, but at least I have a story to tell, right? And so I'm not any the worse for it. But it did, uh, I did have some time to reflect on that. I was very angry when I left, and I thought nothing satisfies being angry as much as a really good cup of coffee and a piece of pumpkin bread. So I went and found a location where I could have those things. And I sat down and thought about, well, what should I do? I was angry, and I wanted to do something. I wanted vindication. I wanted to be heard. And instead, I went on home, and then over the last few days, I've been reflecting on this, and I realized there were some important lessons to be learned there about about listening and being in a place of authority, a place of leadership or a place that has a title that has, a pos- has power with it or a position with it. And so I've fashioned a few things I learned from that, and I'd like to share those with you. First of all, what I learned is that a closed mind opens the door to resentment and anger. A closed mind opens the door to resentment and anger. You know, the harder I tried to be heard, the tighter that mind was shut. There was just no conversation, just argument and counter-argument. So what was supposed to be a hearing quickly became just a debate, an argument. And when I left, I, I had feelings of frustration and resentment and a desire for vindication. I wanted to, I wanted to have my say and I wanted to, to get back. And so I felt really bad about that. And I reflected on what was really going on there, and the hearing officer had made up his mind. You know, he had made up his mind when he saw the video that I was just going to be liable, and that's all there was to it. And so he skipped all the part of the hearing and went right to, to judgment, I guess. When a person makes up their mind and they're just defending their territory and preparing their rebuttals while you're trying to articulate your own thoughts or express your own thoughts, they're just not looking. I recently read a book called Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me, written by a couple of renowned psychologists, Carol Tavris and Elliot Aronson. And this book was very enlightening because I had read the book and then I now saw it in action. Aronson and Tavris explained that when a mind is made up, one will just really dig their heels in at any effort to make them change their mind. And once the facts are, any facts or rationale is used against them, they will very often shift their argument to something else that cannot be explained by any facts. It's not explainable or defendable by facts. In this case, once I had made my point about my decision to go through the light, and I thought that was probably the most the safest thing to do instead of hitting my brakes and ending up stopped in the middle of the intersection, the hearing officer just shifted to another topic. He basically changed the subject to my overall responsibilities as a safe driver and asked me if, if what I thought my responsibilities as a safe driver should be. I mean, completely change the subject. And that I should have anticipated such situations uh, as a driver and had not become distracted by, of all things, looking for the street signs. (laughs) So their their counter-arguments were just 
to me were just grasping straw, grasping straws, and as they were, and as he was rebutting against my story, I just found myself getting more and more angry, and so I realized that that closed mind resulted in me becoming angry and defensive and argumentative, and I realized, you know, I just had to shut up and leave. Therefore, my first lesson was a closed mind opens the door to resentment and anger. Then after that, number two, because what I had to say was actually dismissed, I felt disregarded as a person, as a human being. In fact, I regarded the whole exercise of the hearing as somewhat of a sham. It was a pretense of fairness or justice when, in fact, none was ever intended. There was no justice ever intended. All I was going to get was just a validation that I was liable and that I should pay. You know, anytime someone approaches a discussion with, with the attitude that, well, I've made up my mind, but I'll hear what the other party has to say anyway, it'll make them feel like they're heard. Believe me. That doesn't work. That's not true. You don't feel like you're being heard. You feel you feel like you've been used, and you feel like all the effort that you went through to think through your arguments or to say what you wanted to say or to present your point of view is just disregarded. It just didn't matter. And so that caused some resentment as well. I felt disregarded and not worth being listened to as a human being, as a person. And number three, this was kind of a subtle thing, but uh, it came as a result of listening to the conversation before mine, and then not so much my conversation, but the one before mine, because I listened, and I realized I could hear what was being said back there, I started paying attention. Here's number three, power can be patronizing when it has no intention of being empathetic or compassionate. Let me say that again. Power can come across as patronizing when it has no intention of being empathetic or compassionate. Like I said, I could overhear the previous case. The lady was not allowed to complete her thoughts either before being interrupted over and over and told why why what she was saying just really didn't matter. Uh, So, you know, she was told several times that by the hearing officer that I can tell you're, you know, a very nice person and you're obviously, you know, honorable and honest and on and on and on being nice, you know. But still, he had no intention of hearing what she had to say. It was, to me, it was sort of like a verbal patting on the head. Okay, it's going to be all right, and you're a nice person, and, but you're still you know, going to have to pay. In fact, she was even apologetic and subservient. Uh, she apolo- apologized for taking up the hearing officer's valuable time. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what's he there for? <laughs> Isn't this his job? And so she's not taking up his valuable time. He's actually taking up her time for having to come all the way up there to explain her circumstances. And she didn't live in this community. She drove a long ways, as I did. I drove, you know, 30 miles to get there to have this hearing. In other words, I felt cheated. I didn't get what was promised, which was a hearing. No one listened. So that was a situation. Those are some things that came to mind in terms of lessons of leadership from that. But then what's, what's my real takeaway as a leader? How would I apply what happened to me and learn from that and have some suggestions to make to anyone in a leadership position? Well, 
here's what I was, uh, here's what I kind of came up with as I've thought, reflected back on this. First of all, always listen before taking action. Listen before taking action. There's often a story that might make a difference in the way you interpret the obvious facts. Context tells a different story. Think about this just for a second. So, no doubt I ran through the light. No doubt I went through the light. I knew that because I had seen the video a long time before I even asked for the hearing. I could tell I went through the light. But I knew that there were circumstances that leading up to that particular situation that were innocent and unintentional. And I thought maybe that might carry some weight. And so I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to express that. Now, wouldn't it have been different if... The hearing officer looked at that violation and said, well, you obviously went through, the, went through the light, looked like it was a close call. Tell me what happened leading up to that. And so if he had just asked me to tell my story, I would have least felt, least felt like he was intended to listen. But what happened was he looked at the light and said, nope, you're liable, going to start to sign the paper. And I said, whoa, wait a second, don't I get to say something? And it was downhill from there. Because... Listening is always specific to the person speaking. Always listen to the person and what they have to say and what their story is and the context of that story. It's a lot more than the facts usually. There's more going on there. The story is not a generalization. It is a meaningful specific of facts said in context. Always listen before taking action. Number two, listening validates a relationship, and there's always a relationship. I guess in this case, as it, it relates to me in traffic court, there are several different relationships sort of at work here. There's the relationship of me to the judge, or me to the hearing officer, one-on-one. -on -one. So we have a relationship as we dialogue, as we converse about the situation. And then there's a relationship of me as a citizen to the community in which this happened. You know, the, the way I'm handled in this particular venue will have an effect on perhaps the way I respond or my attitude toward the city as a whole or the community as a whole. My feelings transfer to other parts of that organization. So this can happen in, in any organization, the transfer of feelings from something that happens to the whole organization. In fact, the Gallup research has shown for years and continues to reinforce that sometimes when people have a bad attitude about their company, the bad attitude comes from their relationship with their immediate supervisor or their immediate manager. Whatever happens to that relationship transfers to the rest of the organization or one's attitude about the rest of the organization. There's a relationship there. And listening can either validate a relationship or it can destroy a relationship. And then, of course, there's my relationship to all the other drivers on the highway. You know, we have a relationship and we have certain agreements and we agree to, to obey the laws and to drive safely. And so there is a point to be made there that even as I'm learning about going through this red light that I really should be paying much more attention to play in places that I'm unfamiliar with even on days that seem like there's nothing going on where the traffic is very light so there are relationships there and there is much to learn but when it comes to the relationship the one-on-one -on -one relationship I like what Sue Patton Tholey said she said deep listening is is miraculous for both the listener and the speaker because when someone receives us with open heart, non-judging, and they're intensely interested and they're listening, then all of our spirits expand. 
It's good for everyone. Listening is good therapy not only for the person speaking, but also for the person listening. It wasn't the idea of paying the fine. I knew that it was probably a long shot, but it was that I felt that I didn't matter. It didn't matter. My story didn't matter. I was just a red light violation and I pay. And listening to me was just a waste of time. My relationship, that relationship was not validated. And number three, it's the responsibility of the person in the highest position of power to initiate listening. Stephen Covey said, Most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Now, put that in a situation where you're in front of someone who is more powerful than you are. They're an executive or they're a manager or they're a judge or they're a magistrate. And and you're the you're the person of lesser power. And so you're there in a sense waiting for them to set the tone. You're waiting for them to take the lead. You're waiting for them to say what the ground rules are going to be. And so you're waiting quietly. And so it's the responsibility of the person in power to set that tone. How they determine how other people are going to be affected. So whether it's government or business or it's a teacher talking to students or it's parents talking to children or just people talking to each other, the one who seems to be the most authoritative or having the most power or being the, the oldest or the most mature or whatever, whatever that determination is, is the one who sets the tone. So if you are in any kind of a leadership position, whether you're a supervisor or just a lead worker or just the one with the longest tenure in place or the oldest one there, whatever that might be that signifies you are a person of authority or power or the lead, it's your job. It's your responsibility to set the tone for the dynamics of communication in that group. The person in power always sets the tone. That's why when we set the tone for listening and mutual respect and a desire to understand that we also, in that very act of listening and taking the lead to make things better, also establish authority. Think about that. By asking other people to participate, you establish your own authority. So I thought there were three takeaways as a leader. Let me summarize those again. First of all, listen before taking action. Two, listening validates the relationship. And third, it's the responsibility of the person in power or the highest position to initiate listening and set the tone for communication. Well, I got to thinking about this, and maybe I could have done a better job myself. I was kind of caught up in being surprised that I wasn't given the chance to speak, and when I insisted on that, I said it like this. I said something like, wait, uh, don't I get a chance to say something? What I realize now, looking back on it, when I did that, and obviously from the hearing officer's response and body language, obviously I put the hearing officer on some kind of a defensive posture, and so he really wasn't listening. He was just digging in his heels. But what if I had said something like this? Your Honor, before you make your final decision, may I explain what was going on as I reached that intersection? It might shed some light on how I ended up going through the light. If I had offered my explanation in a softer kind of manner, if I'd been thinking or had rehearsed how I would do this, 
maybe it would have gone a little bit differently. I don't know. But anyway, that tone sounds less accusatory, and it might have prevented the hearing officer from being immediately resistive. So I learned something, too. Maybe I have to stop and catch myself when I find myself in these situations and find a better way to express myself and not just kind of half react as I did. In closing, I'd like to share something with you that Alan Alda, an American actor, said. He said, listening is being able to be changed by the other person. That's how you know you're listening. It's when you are empathetic and compassionate and you realize that whatever you originally thought was subject to being changed by the other person's story. That's how you know you're listening. If you're just defending yourself and being the brick wall, you're not. So let's be the kind of leader who looks for ways to make things better for everyone, who initiates conversation, asks for other points of view, and listens with an open mind and open heart to what's being said. So yes, we can all stand to learn from such situations. In the spirit of leading, I want to emphasize how powerful listening to and validating others actually is. So when you listen, you make the other person the center of attention. When you listen, you get valuable context that might broaden your understanding of a situation and be a positive motivator for the action of others. And when you listen, you leave your options open, open to respond with insight rather than obstinately holding to a hasty decision that you might not even be able to defend as more facts come to light. And when you listen, you will probably sound more believable and authoritative when you speak. Well, I want to thank you for listening. And don't miss out on future episodes. You can subscribe to my blog at EmpoweredToLead.com and you'll get notifications in your email when new podcasts are available. You can also listen and subscribe on iTunes Podcasts and on Stitcher. So go forth in the spirit of leading. Live each and every day by encouraging the spirit, enlivening the heart, enlightening the mind, and enlarging the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters, and in the spirit of leading, live each and every day empowered.